2: And when we live a public life, I think we have so many responsibilities on so many levels to be charitable, to be philanthropic, altruistic, I think all those, but you're right, to shine light on things. Life isn't all diamonds and rosé, but it should be.
1: Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast. We have the motherfucking Lisa Vanderpump on today. I personally could not be more excited for this episode.
0: And I personally could not be more excited for this episode. I had fun with Lisa.
1: We had fun. We not only were able to interview her, we got to go to her fabulous Villa Rosé. Is it Villa Rosa or Villa Rosé? I think it's Villa Rosa. Manor. And we got the tour. Ken was showing us the ponies. The ponies are named Diamond and Rosé. We met Hanky and Panky, the swans. We got the full tour and we got it for you because it is on my Instagram under the highlight LVP.
0: That place is next level. That place is pretty nuts.
1: It is next level. And I am personally so attached to this episode because Lisa lost her brother to suicide and she really opens up in this episode and we were able to have a really transparent conversation. So this episode is very near and dear to my heart. I talk about my mom in this episode. And then of course, Lisa also Gives us the juice. Like, she she delivers the juice, okay? She delivers the rosé on a silver platter with a baccarat glass with maybe a slice of lemon. I think you guys are going to love this episode. I know if you're a fan of Housewives, you will be freaking out. With that little background, Lisa Vanderpump is a mom. She's a wife. She's a dog mom. She's a British restaurateur, television personality, author, and actress. She has her own wine line. She's an entrepreneur. You may know her restaurants in L.A., Pump, Sir, Villa Rosé. She does it all, I am telling you. She was also on Bravo's The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Personally, one of my favorite housewives ever. And she does Vanderpump Rules. Lisa is multifaceted, and we are going to get all the details in this interview. Also, just so you know, I am going to be on Lisa Vanderpump's podcast, All Things Vanderpump, okay? She interviews me, and I talk about Michael, and he doesn't know yet. We talk about all different kinds of things. I think she asked me when my first blowjob was with you. So we get into it. Definitely listen to her show, All Things Vanderpump. It's a good one. Wow. Hard-hitting questions there, huh? Definitely. So get ready.
0: This is the Skinny Confidential, him and
1: her. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And thank you for coming to Villa Rosa. Villa Rosa is so insane, you guys. I'm going to post an Instagram story highlight. It is so peaceful and beautiful and she has music outside and you pull up and these gates open and there's swans and we walked in and there's like this beautiful calming music the glass doors you walk in she has her beautiful vanderpump rosé which is dry keep going i want to live here listen (laughs) i mean and you look out and then you see the ponies and the ponies are named diamond and rosé and then the swans hanky and panky it's so good. It's like you can't make this shit up.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lisa, twist our arm for coming up here. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know what? It's a very unusual situation up here. And I think it's unusual because I have created it myself. I mean, you can tell there's the through line. I think sometimes you go into people's houses and you see somebody's designed the house and somebody else has done the interior decoration then somebody else has accessorized it. But when it's one person with a vision... It kind of takes it all the way through from the pony house, matching the curtains, matching. It's got a, It's like a story. So everything I do, really, I like to be a complete experience, except that. I can't be bothered about that. That's no complete experience. <laughs> My restaurants, I want it to be a complete experience. I want it to be about the ambiance, about the food, about the visuals with the staff. So, yeah. Have you always
1: been like that, even when you were little, a little girl? Do you remember doing this with your room?
2: I remember it. I always wanted pink in my life. It's it, I think there's some things that you are inherent in you. You can't change about yourself things that you're attracted to. For me, when they talk about rehabilitating people that've got fundamental flaws or addictions, that sometimes it's very hard when it's actually just inbuilt in you. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, there's certain things I've always been attracted to. If you lock me up for 20 years, it wouldn't change me. I love Dogs, I'm just obsessed by them. I know the name of every dog in the street. I'm attracted to roses and pinks. I'm just a very passionate person about so many things on so many different levels. I mean, it's this is a vision. It is. My last house was extraordinary as well. I worked very hard to create that kind of beauty in my life and make sure that my home, with all the craziness and having bars and restaurants and clubs over the years, the home is the sanctuary. I think my kids can say. They never heard, you know, us have a raised voice in the house. I mean, of course, I'd yell at them, pick your backpack up, have you done your homework? Quick, come down, you're going to be late, all that kind of stuff. But between the two of us, even if I killed him in private, I wanted to create that sanctuary. And I would advise anybody, whatever goes on in your life, to always, in front of the kids, try to keep that calm if you can. Because it's very unsettling and unnerving. As a child, I grew up with, you know, parents that bickered and argued and sure they loved each other. My mother died last year, but just suddenly, unexpectedly, but it, it was still unnerving as a child, always been in this kind of middle of this fractious. I, I talk
1: about this a lot with Michael. I say that it's so important to have the energy right in the home. And it's so important to have the five senses going. And you seem to sort of be the queen of the five senses.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think life is about that. It's about stimulating all the senses. And I think we're very comfortable, even if we don't know how to do it, when people do that for us, it just makes you feel much more relaxed in your space. So for me, I spend a lot of time, as I say, I've been here for eight, nine months now and been working and doing a lot of different things, but I have maintained it. Even though I haven't had any help, normally I have a lot of help because I'm always on the go, but it's important to me to kind of live well. Even if I had one room, uh, one room, I'd, uh, I'd decorate it, I'd make it beautiful. Even if I had one flower on the table, I just think if you make that effort and you put that effort into your life, it, it kind of makes you feel happy and more content. And you can then deal with the the crap that the world throws at you. I
0: was saying your husband just took me down to the wine cellar and I was saying not a bad, <laughs> not a bad place to be in a pandemic. You guys are well Boy, pre- got, know, got down to the
2: wine cellar I, already. I, I know, yeah, I know, where, I know where to go. We're talking of
1: wine. Cheers. 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 We're drinking Vanderpump Rosé.
0: Yeah, good. You yeah, also have you. a
1: white and a red yes, that you just came yeah. out with. Cheers, Taylor. Please don't get drunk and fuck stuff up. I would love to know, just because of everything that's going on with quarantine and COVID, what are some tips for our audience to make their home, whether it's a one bedroom, a dorm room, whatever it is,
2: feel good? Like, What are little tiny things that you can do? I do think flowers, and they're so expensive and they're so crazy, but even if you have just a bud vase you know with with one rose or even few carnations or something it will last forever I'm a big lover of, of cooking and even if it's simple making things beautiful I think candlelight lighting is extraordinarily important a lot of people don't think it is when you kind of are in your space, really pay attention to the lighting. And it's just like when you come out of a great restaurant and you get in the elevator or the lift, suddenly it's like, ugh, a lot of people don't understand lighting. And I've just benched into the lighting business, actually. I mean, these are all ours, Van der Pumper Lane, and a lot of the stuff at Tom Tom. And the subtleties of creating your space and different lighting aspects, I think, are really important. Candlelight, I think, is even one candle in a room at dinner changes everything. I think natural light is very important to me. I can get depressed or suffer with depression, mainly more circumstantial things when things get too hard, like when I lost my brother two years ago and then my mother, I can kind of flounder a little bit like I did then. So natural light's very important to me. So I think if you don't have a lot of natural light then put mirrors near windows to kind of double the space and double the light. And I think just really have a discipline about your life because it is crazy out there and it is difficult. And I think it's been extraordinarily difficult for people just in COVID, being at home all the time, virtually, I mean, if you're at home in here, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, of course, it's a lot of work, but it's like you're living, there's no claustrophobia here, you've got amazing views. It's We can eat somewhere different every day of the week. There's so many different scenarios. It's fantastic. I'm so blessed to be in this house. But you see so many people, they're on their computer and they're living in small spaces. And I think you've got to get out. You've got to put on your headphones, listen to music and walk in the park. You've got to exercise. Exercise is fundamental to, I think, happiness, even if you are multitask. I find exercise boring, but I really always do something when I'm on the treadmill. I'm either watching something or listening or on the phone. So the time goes by quickly. But I think all those things are absolutely essential for your mental health.
0: I wanted to ask you. I'm not as big of a fan of the Housewives franchise as Lauren. I watch it whenever it's on and I love what I, I see. I. <laughs> yeah, talk about that. <laughs> but one thing that I've observed there and I admire about you and Ken is like, you guys seem like you're in a very, very solid relationship. You protect each other, you both have each other's back. Yeah, ex- extremely. And I think about that because Lauren and I, we've been together 10 years now and been married for four. It's really important to us that we always protect the sanctity of the marriage. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit and is does that come natural to both of you or is it like because you've you've been put in compromising positions on the show but you guys always seem to have each other's backs no matter ken what ken is
2: very protective of me well, i love that about it. i don't understand when i've seen some things on social media and i have to say for the most part social media has been extraordinarily supportive through every negative housewife experience that i've endured or gang ups and things that the fans and people watching have always been amazing but occasionally i would see somebody like oh ken shouldn't get involved why not if he's sitting down in a room it's not like they're coming at me i just say if yeah, I they the kind of came at lauren then you'd be all over that and so would i if it's somebody you love and it's not one-on-one it's not a fair fight i think absolutely he would jump in and i've grown up with ken i've been married to ken since i'm 21 years old And I think the success of our relationship always is the fact that he's had a lot of confidence in everything I do. And he's encouraged me and he's never tried to stifle me. But he's also been very supportive. And he knows me. He knows who I am. And when they're constantly saying, you did that or you did that. And you're like, no, I didn't. And the final straw with Kyle, that scene, when I said to you, I swear to you on my children's life, that should be... Enough. And I think Ken knows me very well. And I think he just got frustrated with constantly being the target on that show.
1: I have to say, as a huge, huge housewife connoisseur, and I was telling you this earlier, that the show is not the same without you. And there's certain housewives, another one is Bethany Frankel, there's just not as much depth, not as much charm. And it feels like sometimes that they're reaching for things to find. Whereas when you were on the show, it had so much character. Looking back at that whole experience, are you glad you had it? Are you glad it's over? Oh, gosh, I feel. I'm,
2: at the time, I was in a real emotional kind of dilemma. I was really struggling after my brother died. There's nothing that I've ever experienced anything like that. My only sibling to suddenly commit suicide unexpectedly, I was just beyond devastated i i was talking about this yesterday somebody i couldn't open the fridge if there wasn't milk in the fridge i would like start crying i'll cry about anything and so i struggled through vanderpump rules and then i went into housewives and i did suggest that i did take that season off because i felt that i i just wasn't strong enough to and i had been the subject of a few gang ups before season four in puerto rico season six so i knew i had another one coming pretty soon but I just wasn't strong enough. And before I'd sat at the reunion, two or three times with them all against me and just being indignant and resolute and vociferous in my defense. And this time I just thought, fuck it, I can't do this anymore. I'm searching for happiness. And there they were all against me over this nonsense. It was not of any benefit to my foundation to be out in the open anyway, about one of our dogs ending up in a shelter. So the whole thing, and as if I would give a story to Radar Online, if I was going to give story to Radar Online, there would be millions of stories about my restaurants that would be advertising. It's most bullshit I've ever heard. So when I was just like, I swear to you. And then I suddenly thought something inside me clicked. And I thought, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. And people are like, how can you walk away from a show? And I thought it's not, I wasn't in the the space then. So I, I do think it's probably lost maybe a bit of its gravitas in terms of a lot of people thought I was the anchor on the show and the narrative in terms of maybe being somebody that was kind of not an incendiary character, but somebody that kind of ignited conversation, but also somebody that saw things in a very down to earth fashion. Just actually brought some kind of a level really to it.
0: Can I ask you a personal question? You
2: can ask me anything so- you want
0: someone that, that's reached the level of success like you and Ken have and yes. you're in you're in this place when you get approached for a show like that like outside perspective you'd say like why do you need that headache like I, and I wonder that like when you look at something like that you could say fuck it later and move because listen like this if, if you leave the show and this is your worst case scenario like you're not you're fine especially with all the restaurants and everything else so like what is the motivation to want to do something like that and put yourself through that kind of i wouldn't say headache but drama
1: Hold up. Let's talk about Palmer's. Palmer's has been caring for your skin since 1940, you guys. It is America's number one cocoa butter brand. Here's what I did when I was pregnant to not get any stretch marks, and it worked. I used their cocoa butter formula original solid jar. And then I mixed it with oil and I put it all over my stomach, my legs, my butt, everything. I'm telling you, it gives you this 24-hour deep hydration that heals and softens and leaves your skin feeling buttery and smooth. That mixed with the oil was like liquid gold. To get micro with you, the Cocoa Butter Formula Original Solid Jar has cocoa butter and vitamin E in it, and it's for all skin types. So, normal, dry, even if you have eczema prone skin, it works with that too. It's totally multi purpose. So, if you're not pregnant, you can also use it on cracked heels. You can protect your tattoos. You can remove your makeup. You can even soothe dry lips. I am telling you, this is the product that you want to have on hand all the time. They even have this full list of 101 uses at palmers.com slash jar 101. Okay. So you can find Palmer's original solid in stores and online at Walmart, Target, Walgreens, CVS, or Amazon from Palmer's choose what's real. Try this mixed with oil. You will not be sorry.
2: Oh my goodness, that is a good question, but if you rewind the tape to, let's go back to 10 years ago, when reality television wasn't as popular. And the only thing I really knew about reality television was uh, the Osborns And I love Sharon, Ozzie, Kelly. I mean, I adore them. But there was a little kind of crazy aspect to it. So when I was kind of asked to join a group of women that I didn't know particularly well in Beverly Hills, and I was quintessential Beverly Hills. I lived in Beverly Park. I had Villa Blanca, one of the primary restaurants in Beverly Hills. I kind of lived the life, so to speak. I thought, no, this isn't for me at all. And I thought, well, I imagined that to be interesting in reality television, you had to have conflict at home and be very, and I just thought that was the antithesis of of how we lived our life. So initially I said, no, I don't think that's for me. And then they, I was approached by another group of women because they wanted to actually have an existing group of friends so that it was an authentic. So then I said, no, I, I really don't. And I kind of turned, I didn't turn the offer They didn't offer it to me. They just asked me to come and to audition. And I said, no, 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 no. It's really not for me. And then Jennifer Stallone, actually, Sly's wife, said, oh, you have to go in. You have to go in. Watch New York Housewives. So I remember watching it on her and Sly's bed, watching it. And I was thinking, oh, shit, Jennifer, it's so not me at all. I mean, they're arguing in there. Back shit crazy in there. Like, no. Said, yeah, yeah, you've got to go in. So then Robert Kavasik, who's one of the main journalists, anchors on NBC for one of my greatest friends, said, You're going in, there's an audition. I'm going to take you over there. And he drove me over to the valley and he waited outside. And they just went, We want to come to your house. We want to come and film you. And they said that my audition was just they said, What about your sex life? And I said, they aired this recently, I don't remember. And I said, What what do you want to know about my sex life? You want to know about my sex with my husband or with everybody else, <laughs> and I just didn't give a shit. I really did, and I was just kind of. So they asked me to fill in this question, and they said, "You should see the way you filled it in." Like strike, strike, strike. I just didn't answer any of the questions. And then they said, well, we want to come to your house and film. And they came to my house and they did this kind of in-depth interview and looked around your house. And it was the quintessential my old house. It was very Beverly Hills. It was cars. Uh, the, I mean, in fact, that house is on the opening of Shit's Creek. It shouldn't be because they've used it. And I know they used it when I was living there because they have that statue that's over there. And they've used that house as the opening scene, my old house. So it was very quintessential Beverly Hills. So then they said to me, we would love you to be part of the cast. And by then I, I knew Kyle. Adrian lived across the road. Adrian had a friend called Taylor and then Kyle's sister was Kim. And then it was an existing group. And Andy said, which probably didn't go down that well with some of the other women a couple of times in interviews, that he wasn't sure about doing Beverly Hills. But he said he greenlit it when he saw my tape because he felt it was a different flavor. So that probably wasn't the best thing to say <laughs> when you're a part of an ensemble cast. But it, it
0: sounds like it was maybe it started as something different than what it turned into.
2: I never envisaged that it would be I would be the subject of of gang ups and I or the recipient. I never envisaged that. I've never seen women behave like that. But I understand that in reality they put you together in authentic situations that then culminates in reactions just kind of going into overdrive, so to speak. And I remember the first time we went to New York and Camille and Carl got into this fight and it was the famous line where she says, You're such a fucking liar, Camille. And I went upstairs to bed in tears. And I said, "Can I can't do this, I can't do this. And producers ran after me. And I was just saying, I just I just can't do it. Can't do it. But then you start to understand that situations like that, they become more intense very quickly. And I think it's more heightened, the emotions. And I'm not saying it's inauthentic. One of the premises of reality television is to speak your mind. Say, for instance, you showed up here 20 minutes late. You didn't, but say you did hypothetically. And you'll say, hey, come in, sit down. Have some rosé. They would probably say, you've been waiting. So initially you would say, listen, sorry, have some rosé, but why are you so late? And that because they never want the audience to be thinking something that's transpired that you're not saying. So you end up kind of basically speaking your mind on many levels that maybe you wouldn't, and then that results or culminates in in friction.
0: If we did show up late, I would have blamed the baby. I would yeah. I would have said it's the baby's fault. That's that's what I get out of it now.
2: Hey, listen, the, the clock stops here. <laughs> you can come and go when you want. <laughs>
1: I think that there's. An elephant in the room with you where it's like people were jealous and that's as a viewer people were jealous of a lot of things they were jealous of your house they were jealous of your
2: life but most of all they were jealous that you got your own show wow I've never said that, but you're right. In the second season to be given Vanderpump Rules, that was a huge because a lot of other housewives tried for their own spin off and they did pilots and it didn't come to fruition. So to have that, which I didn't know that Vanderpump Rules would go for nine years uh, or keep going but I did know that we had one of the ingredients that is so hard to come by on reality television and that's authenticity and so basically we couldn't show as much we wanted to on, on of my business life on Housewives and yeah, suddenly that the first season I kind of skated by but then a lot of feelings I had a lot of opportunities that others didn't have and maybe that did result in some feelings I mean I was suddenly off the dance with stars or I got my star on the walk of fame when Vanderpump Rules was going on and then I was doing a lot of things politically as well I was trying to fight for the humane treatment of dogs was speaking in congress Vanderpump Rules became very popular became the heart of pop culture yeah maybe it did result in feelings you can say it but i can't yeah i think that's pretty accurate
1: but the Um, the problem is is it wasn't like you just got another show it was first of all it's your last name on the show and it's the show was a huge hit i mean i noticed myself it's so weird clicking vanderpump rules before i click housewives and so what it did is it almost like i don't want to say cannibalized housewives
2: but it but eclipsed in one way. It, it was it was a different show. It uh-huh. was more avant garde show. And I remember as I was with Bill Langworthy and Alex Baskin as we were talking about production of it, I said I want it to be edgier and and sexier and not not compete with Housewives at all. And yeah, it suddenly did kind of take on a life of its own and that might have been hard for other people to to acknowledge or they didn't ever really acknowledge it as a show so which is wild because it is
1: seriously the keeping up with the kardashians of bravo like it is yeah
0: you can't duplicate that show because like you said i mean those are real authentic relations. we've met a few of the people on that show and like you can't like you said like you can't duplicate that
2: well i think um I don't necessarily. I I think the authenticity of the fact that people are working in a restaurant and basically struggling to maintain a certain lifestyle or image. I mean, they all wanted to be actors or models or this or that, but they're basically waitresses. And I think that's kind of interesting to see that juxtaposition of wanting to live the glamour and they were all friends and, and they've grown up and some of them made mistakes. I mean, But the cast has just got bigger and bigger. I mean, I find people like James Kennedy fascinating to, to watch because I have never seen anybody, I mean, he's different now, he's sober, but I have never seen anybody that is so unaware of the cameras, uh, it, he would literally be snot would coming out of his nose going, I want my job back. Or he would say something he thought was funny and you would see blood rush to his face as he blushed. And he, he has no, people say, oh, I have no filter and you sometimes think that's an excuse. They're just rude. Just whatever. But he has almost no perception that anybody is watching him. And to me, that is just the essence of a great reality star. If you can really set that aside, you know.
1: Hold up. Let's talk about magnesium. I have been talking about magnesium since 2014. It's one of those things that is so important to get in your diet. I first was introduced to it when a celebrity said that they use magnesium to get things moving. And then I was talking to a friend who said that they're recovering from a burnout. Like they just felt burnt out after this year. And they said, magnesium is the secret. So we just started working with bio-optimizers and they have this magnesium. And this magnesium supplement is legit. Okay. So most magnesiums are synthetic. They're unnatural and they're not recognized by your body. And they're also not full spectrum, which is what you want. So they don't have all the seven forms that you need. This magnesium, okay, is the most potent, complete first full spectrum magnesium formula that's ever been created. This one is called Magnesium Breakthrough. And it's a complete formula that includes naturally derived forms of all seven forms of magnesium, like I said. And it's a complete formula that includes naturally derived forms of all seven forms of supplemental magnesium. And what we love most is it doesn't contain any synthetic additives or preservatives. So it's the real deal, the most potent oral magnesium you will ever find, period. This is so easy to implement into your routine. And what you're going to get from it is a sense of calm, relaxation. I like to take mine at night. It helps you wind down. It's really good for your nervous system. System and stress, and if you're feeling a burnout, and if anyone out there cannot sleep, this is gonna be your best friend, okay? If you're looking for peace and serenity this year and you just want to nourish your body, grab some Magnesium Breakthrough, okay? You can try it for at least 30 days and see how you like it and see if it makes a difference in your mood and your stress levels. And today, as always, you get 10% off with a special Skinny Confidential coupon when you visit biooptimizers.com skinny, and you're going to enter code skinny10 at checkout. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash skinny and use code skinny10 you guys. Once again, that's biooptimizers.com/skinny with coupon code skinny10. We've had people on our podcast that say certain things on the podcast and then people get mad at us. But I feel like we're going to continue to have polarizing conversations and bring people on and we can't be as hosts responsible for what comes out of the guest's mouth. With Vanderpump you're, do you feel like you're responsible for all of these people on the show? Because like us, you can't
2: control what comes out of their mouth. No, not at all. I mean, I could control what's in the edit as a producer, but we don't. We try to tell the real story. Now, if they're talking crap about me, I could say, you know what, I don't want that out there. But that's not reality. So, if they're going, oh, she's such a bitch, she's so intimidating or whatever, then keep it in because if that's the way they feel, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have talked shit about their boss and things like that. But when they've said negative things or there's been backlash, yeah, just because it's an eponymous show and my name's on the show, yeah, that sometimes can be difficult to deal with. I don't like this cancel culture either. Of course, I do think sometimes people should be punished, and there should be punitive, reciprocate uh, ramifications. But and actions do have consequences. But I think people can grow from their mistakes. I really do, and I think reality television is quite a good place to learn to see the growth in. I mean, look at James Kennedy. He was a, a complete nightmare, and then you see suddenly he comes out of that like butterfly coming out of a cocoon, where he's suddenly. He's not exactly a butterfly. Let me just be honest, but he's he's definitely. You see him making progress, and I think see progress in youngsters is is a wonderful thing
0: to watch. Yeah, we've had a we had a young woman activist on this show call it accountability culture, and we're saying like we personally agree with you. I think cancel culture doesn't help anybody because it takes a learning experience away from the person who's being canceled, as well as all the people watching. Like Stassi's been on this show, and I I always think to myself like, regardless of her making mistakes or not, like, wouldn't it be so much more useful not just to her but to society to have people watch her kind of go through the path of potential redemption or not, and then learn from those experiences because it takes it away from everybody. I agree. If you can't see, if you're just like, hey, it's canceled, it's gone. That doesn't really necessarily solve the problem for anybody. And people make mistakes. I've made a shitload of them. Lauren makes a shitload. Of people have to provide
2: a path I, I think of there was a, a lack of awareness with Stassi And I think she lived in her own bubble. And again, Bravo did what they had to do. At the time, I think everything was so inflamed at that time. But it was an accumulation of things she'd done as well. It wasn't just one remark. And I think the fact that she was proactive in calling with this whole faith situation just not the way to handle things. This will
0: get me in trouble. Here's here's what I what I don't like about that situation. All of these networks and radio companies and agencies and PR companies and management companies had no problem when this all first aired until they started getting backlash. And then they said, oh, shit, we got to cover our ass and we got to cancel. And I, I think that's such a cop out And instead of being like, hey, from the beginning, like we could address this or talk about it. But they just waited. Until- well,
2: yeah, but in their defense and also my defense when it comes to that, I'd never heard that podcast It was some I'd never heard. I don't hear. There's a cast of quite a big cast and they're all going off doing these interviews. I don't hear any of them. So this story had never reached my ears and and I'm sure whatever they were talking about at the time they thought was funny because they were saying, oh yeah, we did this, we did that. But I'd never certainly heard that. I never listened to any of their interviews, quite frankly. I mean, it'd be a full-time job listening to what they say on the show, let alone (laughs) off the show. So I was thinking... Oh, God. And then there have been things when she'd said Nazi chic and things things that are provocative, very provocative, having had my family live through World War Two and Nazis and being house, my sure. grandparents' house being bombed in the war. I mean, there's a lot of people with so much history that you can't be cavalier just because you're young and unaware. For that, I think you can grow. But when she was proactive, I think that's what they thought. Yeah, she, se- she
1: seems to be doing a good job of, of owning it and apologizing. And she seems like she's doing the work she needs to do. Yeah, I think that it's definitely
0: important to hold people accountable and say, hey, that's not okay. That's a mistake and have them it's acknowledge really it. Not, but to yeah. just think they're going to go away and like the world's never going to see them again. Like, it's not fair to but do to In,
2: in their defense, it, it wasn't right what they did at all. But do I think they're racist? A thousand percent not because I I have a very diverse, a lot of diverse people working for me that they've all been very close to over the years. So do I think it was a racist action? Not, not at all. I just think it was just awful timing and stupid and ignorant. Yeah, it it is what it is. Who is a breakout star on Vanderpump Rules that you think is
1: someone that's like a, a sleeper? Like someone who's who's just very, very talented. Someone that you think is going to do big things. Could be someone that's on the cast now or
2: was. I think Lala's got a lot of potential. I think Lala's very bright. I adore her. I think she got a lot of crap at the beginning because she wasn't honest about her relationship when, in terms of bringing it. People are always way more interested in what you've got to hide than what you've got to show, you know, what you don't say than what you do say. So all this now, I can't talk about my man. As soon as Randall came to the forefront, we were like, oh, we get it. He's a great guy. You know, we get the relationship now. But initially there was all this kind of, everybody was thinking, what the hell is going on here? You know, she didn't kind of come across that well. But I, I, I adore her. I hope that they go on to have a very successful future together. Yeah. I would love to go back and hear about the first time you met Ken. Right. What was that like? Ken had known my brother for about five or six years. And in fact, my brother was DJing in London at Ken, had a club. Ken's 15 years older than me. So when I met him, I was 21, he was 36. Ken was very much the guy about town. He had a partner. They were bad dogs and and they you know would be running around like trying to shag anything that moved you know that's they were sounds they, like michael before me yeah exactly how couldn't michael before you you met when you were 12 no we haven't been <laughs> together that long he wishes <laughs> <laughs> oh i see um So, uh, yeah, I met him because, weird story, really. Somebody tried to break into, I bought myself an apartment. I was very industrious and very, I didn't have any help from my parents. I bought myself an apartment in Fulham. I'd worked two jobs and I was living there and somebody tried to break into my place. So I asked my brother if he would stay with me just for a while. And then my brother's car broke down. So I drove him to work and he was DJing at this club that Ken owned. And I dropped him off there. And the manager said, would you mind helping us out? Our receptionist hasn't turned up. I mean, it was so serendipitous, all these kind of components, everything kind of came together. And I said, well, I'm going out for dinner. And they said, we don't get busy till 11 o'clock. And my brother said, well, you're coming back to pick me up anyway, because you don't want to go home on your own. So I said, all right, I'll come back. So I came back into the nightclub at 10 or 11 o'clock. i have been on this date, which was complete nightmare. 21 years old or whatever. And um, I just stood at the reception. And I remember Ken walked in. I just remember it absolutely to this day. And he's, I said, good evening, sir. I just mastered it. It was before computers. And I said, are you a member? So, he said, no. So, I said, oh, that would be two pounds to get in. And I looked on this Rolodex thing and The bouncer said, he owns the gaff like that. And I said, oh, then you can come in for nothing, (laughs) like that. And he kind of came into this thing and he thought, who's this? Because he knew everybody that worked for him and I was just standing in. And I felt him around me. And you know when people say, oh, no, I didn't find him attractive or I didn't find somebody. I think that's always a lie. I I always think that even if you didn't pick up, on, you, you didn't act on it, I felt this energy around. He was around me a little too often and he was kind of coming out. And I remember he said, will you give me a ride home? And I was just like, no, no, no. He said, well, how about dinner next week? I said, that sounds like a much better idea, but still no. So I turned him down. I'm quite proud of myself for doing that. And then my brother, of course, came out and said, of course you will, like that. And so I ended up giving him a ride home. And then about six weeks later, I think we were engaged, and three months later, we were married. Wow. Yeah.
1: Are you guys inseparable? Are you together all the time? Hold on. We need to talk about magic in your cup, a.k.a. Four Sigmatic. Have you tried their ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane and chaga? If you want to stop drinking so much coffee, I was drinking way too much coffee, replace a cup with their ground mushroom coffee. I'm telling you, it's filled with benefits. This coffee is mushroom coffee, so it's more than just coffee. Like I said, it contains lion's mane and supports productivity and creativity during a busy day. And then it has chaga in it. And chaga, to give you a little background, is the king of mushrooms. Chaga, to me, out of all the mushrooms, is my favorite functional mushroom because it's filled with antioxidants that really support the immune system. So like I said, I cut down on the coffee. So I'm only doing one cup in the morning and I'll do this later in the day. And I just feel like I'm supporting my immune system while I'm doing it.
0: What we love about this company is so many things. But the main thing for me is they have something for everything. They have something to boost energy. They have something to help you sleep better. They have something to help you de-stress. They have something to give your immune system a boost. We have been talking about Four For so long we've had the founder Taro on this show three times to talk about the benefits of mushrooms and we can't recommend this company enough they come in these easy packets you can travel with you can just drop into water using cold water hot water whatever it's just really great product to take on the go anytime
1: so how i like to prepare mine is i do the mushroom coffee with hot water i squeeze lemon in it i know that sounds weird and then i put almond milk in it and i froth it up it is so good obviously all four sigmatic products are organic vegan and gluten-free Every single batch is tested in a third-party lab for heavy metals, allergens, bad bacteria, yeast, molds. They do their research. Okay, you guys? Anyway, get excited because I've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee. This is just for the Skinny Confidential podcast listeners. So you're going to receive 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com skinny. You should know that this offer is not available on their regular website. So you're going to go to F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash skinny and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discounts applied at checkout.
2: We are together a lot of the time. I think COVID has been a bit of a test, not in terms of actually fighting or, but I think that we can both do with a little bit more space, but the house is big enough that he has a separate office and things like that. And we kind of meet at mealtimes. I do lunch and this, that, and the other. And I'd be very busy doing all the things that I'm involved with. But you lost that excitement of traveling. Normally, we'd be going to Vegas, a restaurant in Vegas, or we'd be in our restaurants here. And it would just be this energy and this bustle. And then I would have the moments at home that we really appreciated. I cannot complain at all. Of course, financially, I could. Our business has been shut down for nine months and people think that's easy. That's not easy when you've got to pay the rents and you've got to pay the insurances and all the stuff that goes with it. But pump's open now. Vegas is open now. SIRS open now. Tom Tom. we're going to open soon. We're just waiting because I know they're kind of teetering on whether they're going to have another not shut down, I don't want to scare people, but England's just gone into that where they've shut everything down again. But hopefully with the vaccine, maybe we'll kind of leap forward. I'm gonna have that vaccine as soon as it comes out. I hope so, I hope Ken's gonna have every vaccine. He says, are you kidding me? I'm gonna have one of each of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: what are some things that you love about Ken that people would be surprised to know?
2: I think that he's, you can see his kindness, just the way he interacts, like with Jiggy. And he likes to look after people and nurture people. And he's very one of the things that's made our relationship, and I would encourage every marriage to really let people not to stifle your partner because we live once and we have dreams and 21 can ask my opinion. He used to ask my opinion and my opinion I don't really think was valid because he had so much more experience in life but he validated things that I brought to the table. And I was always super astute, objective and pretty smart, even 21, but I had no experience. As I said, I bought my own place by the time I was twenty or whatever. But he—he basically has always had confidence in me, and I think that's wonderful to have that support and not to stifle your partner. Because if they say they want to do something, it might seem ridiculous to you, but they wouldn't say it unless it was important to them. And I think the things I've managed to, and going back to your question about if I knew then, you know, what I know now about the experience of reality television, uh, would I have done it and why did I do it? I had no idea of the magnitude uh, of recognition I would have kind of all over the world, so to speak, because it's got such far reach and and wide and things I've done. But, the the opportunities it's given me, and to stand up and campaign for things that I've been passionate about the Eulen Dog Meat Festival, LGBT rights, helping with the homeless for years, just wonderful things. Talking, I mean, I I don't know. I get these awards. I mean, I got the Mary Pickford Award last week and stuff. I and wonderful things that have been bestowed upon me, many or just for things I've done, but. I feel blessed to have been able to try and make change, to be able to implement change, to be able to pass resolution 401, to be able to co-write the PACT Act, you know, and change the laws about animal torture so it's a felony rather than misdemeanors, to stand up for LGBT rights, to speak on behalf of GLAAD, to work with the Trevor Project, to do their PSAs, to be able to really say, yeah, yeah, I'll help you. Whereas when you don't have that profile, the help isn't as it's not the help isn't as forthcoming. It's just like if I say, I want to help you, I want I will do your PSA, I will do I can suddenly have this huge outreach that I post their PSA and it will go to millions of people. So it's a wonderful thing. And and I think that I was saying to Ross Matthews yesterday, I do think fame magnifies who you are. If you're an asshole, you become a bigger asshole. And if you're a decent person, hopefully you use it for the greater good. And I do think, listen, we're all narcissists if we're, because we live in this world where we all, but I do think that everybody can do something and even for years we would always get our restaurant to cook food on the Monday for 15 years at Villa Blanca, take it down to church, I'd always serve the homeless and things like that. And I think everybody can do something. Doesn't matter how small it is, but if everybody just does something, just goes to their local church, how can I help? Or they'll say, we really need this or, or go to like one of these organizations like Covenant House. We've all got loads of stuff that we don't want that would be so appreciated by other people. And just be involved in giving back to the community. I just think, and fame really affords you many opportunities to really help and make a difference. I mean, I see when we reach out to people for our gala, for the Vanderpump Dog Foundation. People, some people, Mario Lopez, have you ever met him or interviewed him? Mm-mm. Oh, my God. He's got to be the nicest person on the planet. He hosts our gala every year. Ross Matthews is amazing as well. Mario and Courtney Lopez, they're like, no, no, we don't need anything. No, we'll just be there. Yeah, I'll I'll host it for you. What well, do you want to see? It? No, no. Tell me what. Oh, yeah, I got it. I'll read it. Yep, yeah, sure. No problem. Well, do you need a, a green room? Do you need a? no. No. They just want to help. Brilliant people. I've met so many brilliant people. Leona Lewis, who's a big animal advocate. People that really gone out of their way to help us do so much. You've
1: also done something that I don't even know that you've done. And that is discuss suicide. Yes. And my mom committed suicide when I was 18 and to see you who's so fab and so beautiful and on housewives talking about it that it never gets talked about because people are so uncomfortable to talk about it and no one wants to like when when i was 18 this was like 12 years ago long time ago and no one would talk about it with me so to see you and it makes me emotional to even talk about but to see you come on beverly hills housewives and discuss it it
2: was so empowering yeah yeah yeah. I understand why you feel emotional. I feel the same way. I don't think you ever get over it because I think suicide radiates so many feelings, so many feelings, so many questions, so many what ifs, should I have done this? Should I, Why did this happen? How did that? So many responsibilities, so many alternatives that maybe would have had a different outcome. Should I have spoken to him when I texted him the day before? Should I have I know he didn't want to kill himself. I know it was just a cry for help that went wrong. So we were 16 months apart. We were like, I I met Ken through him, you know, and um, it was actually, Ken had a bit of an emotional breakdown a few months after my um, brother died because we were sitting every, the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the the first everything. I'm sure you felt that when your mother died, the first birthday without her, the first... Brutal. Yeah. And I remember Ken suddenly literally crying at Thanksgiving. And he said, because he was trying to support me, because it was my brother. And I suddenly realized it was his grief too. It was his friend. It was somebody who'd been part of our lives. I mean, he'd lived with us on and off in in London and everything. And I'm so sorry for your mother to commit suicide because that is, I, I can't say it's worse or you can measure, but for a mother to commit suicide, you feel, and I know the boys, uh, my nephews, my brother's sons, beautiful, beautiful boys. One just graduated from Cambridge. They're both doing well. They're both the image of my brother in different ways. Oh, thank God for them. The first day, the first, my first birthday after my brother died, Pandora and Ken brought them out a surprise to me. And I didn't want to celebrate. And he'd only been dead about three months. And when they walked in to surprise me, I just was like, "Thank God." So yeah, it's very, very difficult to get over uh, suicide. But you know, I I've been in suicide prevention with the Trevor Project, but it's more it was more on behalf of LGBTQ because I always felt. How awful. I never thought suicide would touch my life in any shape or form, but with LGBTQ, I never understood how kids could just be thrown out on the street. One in four kids were thrown out on the streets when they confront their parents. If my kids came, I think it's much easier path to be straight, but if they came to me and they said, I'm gay, it wouldn't change the way I felt about them. It's, you know, You can't, you have to love your children unequivocally. I mean, so, you know, you see so many of our homeless youth are uh, being thrown out on the street because of of their sexual orientation. That just does not seem right to me. So I was always involved with the Trevor Project for that. But as a mother to commit suicide, that's what I think the boys felt. And I hate speaking for them because they didn't bring themselves into my forum, so to speak. But I think you do think how could you give up on us, because I I would imagine as a daughter you'd think, well, don't you want to see me married? Don't you want to see my baby? Don't I I understand that it's very very difficult for the people that are left behind. I think
1: it's a very long grieving process. I really feel for his two kids.
0: Well, it happened at a time too, because we knew each other, it, like we were all in high school, 18, and it's a brutal feeling in high school, like are not always kind and so it happens at a time when most kids don't most people don't know how to respond to that but you know it's it, and then you're she went through it and it's, it's an isolating thing because at the time nobody talked about it still to this i mean people are talking about it more but it's they,
1: important to have people like lisa it's so important to have people and that's i'm what, sorry I,
2: that you're crying i just <laughs> it's, but, okay. you know, it's, a, it's an emotional subject a good, a good thing too i'm actually not just feel. crying
1: for myself i feel for his kids
0: I, I I told you we're gonna to get to know each other pretty
1: deeply. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's important, though. That's why I think with that season when everyone attacked you and you were going through that, it's a lot of the audience saw through that. Like we, I think, as audience members, we saw what you were experiencing, and we were they like, they just
2: didn't understand. They just didn't understand. I remember when we were sitting on the stairs and I said, I'm sorry, I've been such a mess. And I could not watch that scene. You know, I saw bits of it on social media. I haven't watched any of Housewives since, but I saw bits. I saw the scene in the kitchen when, you know, the goodbye Kyle thing. But I was such a mess. I was just started crying. And I remember, you know, when I said, I just, I said, I've been going through so much. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen Kyle, that whole scenario, the dog It was the first time I'd seen Kyle. And I think the first time you see somebody when you've been through something emotionally traumatizing, you automatically go, oh, I'm so sorry. So I was like teetering on the edge. I didn't want to see it the first time on camera. So I was teetering on the edge anyway. Until it happens to you, and God forbid, of course it's going to happen to many people listening. I mean, it's especially with what's going on in the world now, it's become more prevalent. But until it happens to you, I don't think you can understand, but empathy is something we should have. It, even if it's not, we should really try and put ourselves on. People say, I can't imagine. Well, yes, you actually can. You need to try and imagine. You know, you need to understand. And and I was just an emotional mess after that. And I, I wanted to be there for the boys. My brother was cremated, and I, I didn't, I didn't believe in cremation either. So it was just—it's a lot. It's a, a lot of de- devastation. But
1: I think you said you were going to take a break from the show, and I think it's, I think it's very commendable that you didn't, and you went on the show and you talked about it because it's, it's like Chrissy Teigen. She just posted that she had a stillborn baby, and I, I think it's so important for people like her who's beautiful and thin and wealthy to post things like that because it normalizes it for women that have gone through it. And I think the same thing with suicide. No one talks about it. No one talks about stillborn babies. These are things people are experiencing, but they don't have anyone who's a public figure to sort of talk about it. So it's important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's important. And when we live a public life, I think we have so many responsibilities on so many levels to be charitable, to be philanthropic, altruistic, I think all those, but you're right, to shine a light on things. And for me, the, the most ironic thing is that I've never talked about in Housewives. And this is what pisses me off more than anything. And I really don't talk about Housewives for the most part on the record since I left. I really haven't been that vocal about it. But I had been accused of being so British and so stiff upper lip and not sharing my feelings. And there you have it. I was a fucking broken mess. And how was it dealt with by them? You saw it.
1: But I think the way you left was was perfect. I think that it was you left before the party was over, and
2: you have your hit show. You're working on
1: other projects. I mean, but I would have
2: liked to have left with those relationships intact. And also, when you don't know, I didn't know that the audience were going to side with me. So suddenly, you're in this murky quagmire of emotions, and people all saying you're a liar. The whole cast saying you're a liar, and you're thinking, what the hell? so you don't know how that's going to parlay out. You don't know how it's going to transpire. So you just left. and I just thought, that's it. I'm not going to watch it. And I, listen, I had the best time. I love Bravo. I love evolution. I love working with people, but it was a mess. And people say, would I go back? I would never say never because it, it was fantastic and I had a great time. But at that time, it just wasn't It wasn't something I, I needed to step away it Do you wasn't, think you'll ever know, be friends With help. the other
1: housewives Or do you think that time Anything
2: I don't know I, I seem to run into Kyle A few times Who always runs up to me Which was because Hi how are you And I go good But I think when somebody Doesn't have good intention For you Where does that leave A friendship I, I want friends around me That have good intention For me
1: Let me ask you You guys this. were cute friends though I have mm-hmm? to say You were cute friends let me
0: let me ask you this do you, do you, do you empathize at all with any of the other housewives? cuz so I think about it like this like you were obviously a breakout star on the show and you had other shows no million other things going on but new cast members come in and is there a pressure in any kind of way for them to kind of let me say like perform in a way so that they don't necessarily maybe don't get cut, and so like maybe they're doing things or saying things that they wouldn't necessarily do if the cameras were on, in order to stay on the show. Like, do you give any leeway for that, or you're? I, like-
2: I do understand what you're saying with that. That we saw Lisa Rinna post something saying, "Oh, can you all please tell Bravo that you want to see us being nice and, and not having fights or something" at the end of last season. But why? I would never do anything that I didn't want to do. It's a reality show, but my reality is how I'm going to react. And if you're going to overreact or create something, then more we'll fool you. I I don't think I was ever inauthentic. Maybe I said things that I was thinking, just because I knew that it was obvious. It was like the elephant in the room. But no, I don't think I've ever looked back and thought, oh, I just did that for the hell of it. I Because
0: no. you see some people come on and you're like, are they just kind of playing that up? Because if they don't, they're at risk of getting cut from the show. Like, and I, Listen, I can probably say this because I'm not a huge watcher, but like, maybe they're not as interesting as other characters on the surface. And so they're like, oh, shit, I better do something to become interesting. So I'm going to stir up some drama or say something.
2: Like, I think there is that pressure, so to speak.
0: So do you give leeway for that? Or
2: you're like. I think when they all gang up on one person, to me, that's just not that's not acceptable, really. Um, is it like a planned situation? I think there has been plans. Yeah, yeah. So, so do that's I. what I've heard. But I, but I just kind of thought, okay, when I said no, get out, go. When initially I was fighting the fight and I was saying, listen, that is not true. When you say to me, what does that say about somebody else? When you say, I swear on my children's life, my children are everything to me. They are my life. That's like your little pumpkin. That picture you showed me. If you said, Lisa, no, no, that's not true. I swear to you on your baby's life. There's no way in a million years would I not believe you. I'm a religious woman as well. I I would never, you know, to me, that's just extraordinary. They kicked you when you were down too with the green. Yeah. I, I kind of don't even want to go back to it really now because I think they suffered a lot of backlash. I just didn't really want to comment on it because any time I commented on it, it became a headline. When we talk about all the ramifications of suicide and devastation, yeah, I, I take full responsibility for not being strong enough to complete the series. I was not in a space where I felt that I could go on my own mental health. I was crying every single day. It just wasn't, wasn't it just wasn't a healthy situation and for the first time in my life i took antidepressants and i went to therapy never seen a therapist in my life It always made me laugh when you would fill in a form in america and they would say who's your family therapist and i'm like we don't have one you know it's just like so and i i needed to see somebody because in the, the just the first words that they said to me that i suddenly got it they said there is light at the end of the tunnel with grief you are walking towards a bright light. Just it take you. It will take your time to get there, but it will get better with grief. You'll you'll never get over it. You'll get used to it, but you will walk towards that light. And I remember thinking, okay, this overwhelming wallowing in my own kind of misery is going to go away. And I and I'm a very proactive, productive, supportive, optimistic person, but I just couldn't see my way forward. And I think suicide. Is a very different situation. I think now, I, I just encourage anybody if you see anybody struggling, even if you can't see them and you're isolated, reach out, Facetime, talk to them. I think this has to be a recalibration as well of what's gone on in this world in the l- last year about putting things in perspective and really like caring for each other. You know, I think that's great advice. You know,
0: I I defend my wife a lot with people you both public people and people will, how do you think about this issue, this issue, this issue? But when you've had something as traumatic as suicide touch your life, and I haven't, but you have, and my wife has, it's a massive perspective shift in the sense that like things that other people think are big deals. Once you've experienced the trauma that you both like, maybe it's not as big a deal as both. You know, I always try to remind people about that, but my wife, it's like, you know, you lose your job or you lose some money or you're stuck at home and you think that's the end of the world. It's the biggest deal. Like when you've lost your mother or you've lost your brother to suicide, like those things, those things are a walk in the park. And I think it's hard for people to understand that from people like you who have experienced those traumas and why maybe you don't think other things are as big of a deal as they do, because you've already experienced both of you such extreme pain that like, The other stuff that happens in life is not nearly as big of a deal. Yeah.
2: I mean, my mother died a year later, unexpectedly last year, just literally dropped dead. I mean, literally had a blood clot and had stomach ache, and within a few minutes, she was dead. So there was no resolution. There was no, uh, with either of them, there was just the four of us growing up. So there was no kind of final moments with either of them. But I didn't feel as devastated because it was a natural. It was a blood clot. It wasn't a natural death. I mean, It was something that was just very hard to detect and, and it went to her heart and lungs and, and she died within a few minutes. But that wasn't as devastating. Even though you saw on Vanderpump Rules, I left, I went back to the funeral. That wasn't as devastating because I think suicide has a different ripple effect. I think there's so many questions of why would you do that and what could I have done? Whereas when it's illness... a natural passing you just think it's and somebody's older it's almost like a natural progression so that had a very different effect for me
1: you and i are similar where we like to control our settings and we're used to having things in order and so to have something that's so out of control it brings up all the guilt and the guilt is the main emotion and guilt is it's 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 the worst and i think that's why with what you're saying, the way you lost your mother was different is that it eliminates the guilt. There's no guilt. There's nothing that anyone could have done there with the suicide. It's always, it's always going to be, what if, like you said,
2: what if, what if, but you still, I think have not, not the right, but I do still think as a daughter, I can understand your feelings of as a mother, you brought me into the world. How could you, because even as a sister, now I that felt. I have a baby. And I think I see the boys thinking, how could you give up everything? You're my parent. You're supposed to be there. I, I That's what I saw from the boys. So I do understand. I, I And the brain plays very funny tricks on you because you still imagine they're there for a long time after you go to call them. Or, or I think, if I go back to England, then I think... I always imagine my brother picking me up. And it takes a long while to process when you've only known your life with them to actually realize they're not there anymore. And I think as a daughter, that must be taking... she took away your safety net as well you know yes and what i would say about anyone with suicide if
1: anyone has someone that they know it's not to check on them right after the person died or a couple months later it's to check on them years later like for instance when his kids have kids that's a time that you should really be there for him because what that's going to do when they have kids is it's going to bring up all these things when i had a baby i felt you start to think all
2: these things like, oh my God, I have this baby. Like, how could she do this? So, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what. And I think you just, you need to, your husband, Michael, you you, you need to validate those feelings because it is multi layered and faceted, the aftermath of that. But I'm sure looking at you, and especially you looking at your baby, you know, she was very proud of you and, Thank and you. That's loved very nice. you. Very, very much, and I think that's what a mother wants more than anything. You know, is to see success. And even at 18, I'm sure you are like you are now. I was uh, on the bar. I was
1: Vanderpump Rules vibes, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But I'm sure she was proud of of you. Cast
0: members back then. (laughs) Yeah,
2: but um, but you also have those feelings. Your daughter was not gonna have a grandmother. My, I get it. My my nephews aren't gonna. But your nephews have you. Yes, very. Lucky. And I've taken that very seriously. I tell them I love them. they you know now it's taken a while. Now when I say I love you, they'll actually tell me they love me back. But before it was very British. We don't say that. Whereas I'm kind of. Whereas now I go, I love you, and and they go, yeah, we love you too. And how I old is my they? brothers? They're in their twenties. They're twenty, 22. Two, and, no, 23 and 28, yeah. And it, in fact, it's my brother's wife or ex-wife. Don't even been separated from her. It's her birthday today. I sent her flowers. I remember you know, waking up at two o'clock in the morning trying to get the florist because eight hours ahead. And she said to me today, you know what? That means so much to me. Just, I think it's little things. When you really tell somebody you love them or people, it makes, it's so easy to do. And yet, I think we don't do it enough. I think the people that we love in our life are also the way they make you feel about yourself. I hope you're
1: fucking writing this down for our anniversary I'm taking tonight. taking a really strong message. Yeah. you better like. I can't wait to hear what you're gonna say to me tonight. I yeah. can't wait for your whole speech and your monologue. Well, Taylor,
0: send I, me this recording before tonight.
2: If a woman would give me a pumpkin like that baby that I saw the most extraordinary little pumpkin I mean I just
0: I'll never be able to top that I, I sent her a message yesterday for her anniversary saying like you gave me the best thing that I'll ever ever, ever get unless I maybe get another one or oh, two I'm
2: sure you'll get another one it'd be wrong if you don't because you have to procreate I'll maybe, maybe like do that. two
1: more and then I'm done and I'm getting a full body makeover so get over it and start <laughs> saving I would love to know what your morning routine is What time do you wake up? Is do you have a thing where you go down and have tea? Like what are the specific details? Oh wow,
2: it's really simple. I'm not the best sleeper and I do not understand at all why we sleep less as we get older. I think we should sleep more. I don't get that because now I can wake up sometimes. Occasionally I take half a Xanax. I really don't take any drugs at all normally, but occasionally if I'm really tired. I'll take like half a Xanax. And as I say, I, two Advil to me are a big deal. But like every few months I say, God, I could really do with a great night's sleep because I can wake up at two, four, six. I hate that. I normally awake by six, six 30. I normally turn on the news or turn up my computer. We have a little kitchen upstairs in the bedroom. So I get up, I get the fruit out of the fridge. I make the toast. I make the tea. We only drink tea. And then I have this nice silver tray. I bring it back to the bed. We all always have dogs on the bed. But in COVID, I've actually been sneaking off to the guest bedroom some nights. And and because there's a lot of energy on our bed, when you've got three dogs and a husband that sometimes snores, you know, and you have to turn him over. Sometimes I sneak off into the, mind you, this guy, Schnook, where is Schnook? He's always next to me. Here he is. He will follow me wherever I go, but sometimes I sneak off into the guest bedroom, which has been great. But yeah, I'm, I'm, and I always work out. Well, when I say work out, I go on the treadmill for an hour. It's not exactly, you know, it's a little bit uphill. And, and I'm just, yeah, I'm pretty disciplined. I normally try and get myself together every day. And I obviously have been crazy about keeping this house together. So yeah, I'm pretty disciplined.
1: If you could leave our audience with a motto that you live by, what
2: would it be? Oh, love and laughter supersedes all. I think that's a big one. I think a lot of people take themselves too seriously. I think you've got to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh together as a couple and realize that you do screw up. I think find a job you love and then you never have to work a day in your life. I mean, if this is your job, job full-time I mean how can you not want to go to work to me that's what I love things I do not complaining yeah to find something you love to do even if you can't pay your bills with it then supplement it with another job like I'd have two I, I think that's really important find something you're passionate about and that will drive you if you really love love to do that so you know when people say oh my god how can you be so crazy I use that word anal, which I hate, but they say, you know, how can you be so crazy anal about the house? Was well, because I'm passionate about it. So, you know, I can sit there for hours making things perfect. Yeah, I just uh, I have a, a love and zest for life. We're not here very long, you know, so have a, a zest for life, a passion for life.
1: I'm going to make a prediction. You are going to do very, very well in the podcasting industry. This is definitely one of my favorite interviews. Smart, charismatic, beautiful. You are a role model, really. Like honestly. I this is this is goals.
2: <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Oh my on. God, you're an exceptional young woman. I see that Thank very you. clearly. It's very and nice. I think absolute you very important now for when you've got your baby He's to okay. keep your relationship intact. Never lose the respect for each other. You lose the respect for each other, you go down that path. It's a very hard path to come back from. So above all, keep that respect, and just that baby. I'm not going to let you in here next time unless you bring that baby. We'll with bring you. the baby. We'll use you. the baby as a bargaining tool to come on the mini yeah, horse. No, we use
0: the, bi- the baby. Diamond, to bribe and, you.
2: diamond,
1: rose, <laughs> and Zaza. <laughs> Before you go, pimp yourself out. Tell us all about your wine. You're, I know you have a book, you have restaurants, just tell us everything.
2: Oh, wow. I'm actually, God, I shouldn't be talking about it, but I'm o- opening another restaurant in Las Vegas. We've just started work on that now and we've just been designing that. And again, I've been designing that with my partner, uh, Nick who I does uh, go on to com and see all the beautiful lighting fixtures that we do and all the chandeliers in the driveway and it really wonderful creative beautiful things so we're designing a new restaurant together so excited about that but that will be quite a few months away it hasn't been announced yet i've got some new show coming along but i'm not allowed to talk about that i'm excited about just life kind of getting back to normal i want this vaccine out and i hopefully we will be able to turn it around now la seems much calmer thank god the riots and everything so uh, the restaurants are open and my podcast, yeah. Yeah. I like listen to my podcast. I think it's a great way to connect. And don't expect perfection from yourself. I think don't put so much pressure on yourself. It's okay to fuck up. You know, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay. It's okay. And, and I love the fact that you're vulnerable enough to feel emotional because, you know, I certainly am. And that's okay too. When we feel that deeply, it's okay to show it. Are
1: you are amazing what's your instagram handle i bet you it's at lisa vanderpump yes it is and i know your (laughs) i know your wines is at vanderpump rosé or it's at excuse me it's at vanderpump wines and we had the rosé today you guys got to try it it's dry it's delicious we had it in this beautiful crystal baccarat glass that michael's gonna buy me for my anniversary
0: well, listen. If this podcast doesn't work out for us, and you need somebody to come clean the little mini horse stable, <laughs> I'll
2: live in the I'll live in the horse stable. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, thank you so much.
1: Also, a giveaway. As always, if you want to win a few of my skincare favorites, all you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode with Lisa on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential. And of course, if this show brings you any kind of value, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It takes five seconds.